Summer's just around the corner, so give your body the care it deserves with Osea's best-selling Andaria Algae Body Oil. Created by infusing Andaria seaweed in barrels of botanical oils, it leaves skin silky soft and glowing. Plus, it's clinically proven to improve elasticity and deeply moisturize without feeling greasy. It's safe, clean, vegan skincare. Get 10% off your first order at oseamalibu.com with code GLOW, plus free shipping on orders over $60. Hey, it's me, Quinn. Hey, it's me, Carrie. Always together, never <laughs> apart. apart. You've gotten to know us well over the last year, year. doing Crime of a Lifetime. What some of you might not know, though, is before we were a part of Crime of a Lifetime, Quinn and I had our own podcast, Truly Darkly Creeply. Or as we like to call it, Truly Darkly Creeply. <laughs> and it's a show not unlike Crime of a Lifetime. It's about true crime. And the difference is that you get two stories an episode. And Carrie doesn't know anything about the story that I'm going to tell. And I don't know anything about the story Carrie's going to tell. And in addition to true crime, we do paranormal, aliens, all that good stuff, conspiracy. We love, we love it all. Anything that's true, anything that's dark, anything that's creepy, we talk about it. Find Truly Darkly Creeply wherever you get your podcasts. And if you want a little sample of what you're in for, this is one of Carrie and I's favorite episodes. Um, hi. Do you want to hear no. a safety hack that I heard that I a read about? A safety hack? Sure. Is this for people with cars, so not you and me? <laughs> so it's more for the dear Wait readers. It it's in. a selfless moment. Okay, well, we could always use those. Keep your keys to your car by your bedside so that you can do the alarm on it. I've heard that before, and I like it. It's a great one. Oh, you'd heard it. I've heard of it before, mm. but I like it. Also, I should get you one of those alarms that you can have by your bed, so you just... <sighs> by the way, um, how's the wedding going? Do you want to talk about your bridesmaid dress? Yeah. Dear readers, my sister's getting married in August, and I am in the bridal party, and there's been just a lot of drama on my end as far as uh, emotions. You guys know that I'm going through a little bit of a post-baby body mood slump situation. And where pandemic. Let's count pandemic, too. There's a lot happening. Everything I wear, I look at and want to burn mm-hmm. it or myself every right. time. Mm-hmm. So mirrors are not my friend. Clothes are not my friend. And this is a really tricky time for someone else that isn't me to be choosing what goes on my body because I'm already ultra sensitive and to like lose the choice of what to put on publicly is emotional for me to be and to be totally fair to Brianna Mm -hmm. she She was very lenient with how this worked she picked a shop on Etsy she picked a color and the woman asks for your measurements and you send them and she makes you a dress and sends it now the problem with that is she makes you a dress and sends it and if you're me you try it on and what it looks like is that I'm wearing a sack of skin because the, the color, color is, is the exact same color as my skin very close but to also your skin color. it's just a very sack like dress and it looked Surprise, surprise. Much cuter on the model. It it would do that. Well, and here's the other problem. The situation is that it's me, my two sisters, and two other gals that are the bridesmaids. 
My sister Madison is a runner and looks like a runner. She's very fit. My sister Whitney is a model True, yeah. and addicted to the gym and she looks like that. She's got a bang and bod. You've got them. Yeah. Then the two gals that you add to the mix are, I'm not <laughs> exaggerating at all. They have the same body type. And I would guess they are. Uh, maybe you guys watch Succession. Picture Willa from Succession. Picture that body type because that is one of them. <laughs> I was only thinking that's so I love it picture her it's her so that's who and then I'm like in this skin sack rolling down the aisle like a ball next to those four people and then in a team photo with them so it is actually anyone's worst nightmare and it's my sister's very special day I'm no, just having an emotional reaction. Every time and I... I find myself in tears frequently. Really? Yes. And Did that you cry yesterday? And you don't cry often anyway, do you? I only cry about this. So what does that say about me? It says that we're all victims of the same society. That's what it Thank sounds you. like. We're That's all victims of the same society. Uh, observation. You know what? Here's the thing. I'm going to say because I'm an optimist, I'm going to say it sounds like these tears needed to come out. You needed to, you were going to have to confront this at some point. It's a me thing. I know. And it's also, it's not a you thing. It's the dress thing. So I came in and I hope it's okay to share, but Quinn was doing some isometric leg lifts, which got to love. She's got, you got a great butt as is. The thing is, is you could do as much shit to your body as you want. You could stop eating. I don't suggest it. I don't think either of us would be happy doing such things, but that dress you could put that on any body and it would look the same. Like a skin sack. I gotta say, too, though, you got two kids to show for it. Like, everybody else is like, but you. I feel like you're going to be happier because you have two beautiful kids. And everybody else is... Everyone else is going to be getting drunk without two beautiful kids. There's no uh, I'm trying silver to get the lining, silver lining here. It's really hard. We talked a little bit about pandemic stuff and being proud of what you did accomplish during the pandemic. And I just got to say, to bring it out here, your body made you, got you safely through a pandemic whatever it looks like it's because it was protecting you from a fucking deadly virus you need padding for protection and you need padding for protection if you have no for the record if you have no meat on your bones that virus is going to rampage through your system (laughs) also you stayed home and kept somebody else safe so you maybe didn't go outside for exercise and you know what thank you you probably stopped the spread of the novel coronavirus. So I got to tell you, thanks, body. You might have a few more lumps and bumps, but you know what? She survived. I'm going to make it. I'm a survivor. <laughs> Is that Scott Staff doing Destiny's Child? <laughs> it's my cover of the cover. <laughs> With arms wide open, I'm a single lady. I'm a single lady. <laughs> So it was so funny, though, this woman that made me the dress, I have to tell you this, that when I I wrote to her about it, she just wants your measurements, like Mm -hmm. straight up. And I somehow ended up with a very long email to her about how I feel about my body right now. And I thought to myself as I was sending it to her, I should get a therapist because until I do, people on Etsy are having to really sort through a lot with me. And that doesn't seem fair. The emotions were going to come out eventually. Well, people should know that until I get a therapist, the you're, people it's on that you. work on Etsy, it's on you. It's and you're going to you. have to hear about and deal with these feelings. <laughs> Quinn, this morning, I texted her saying I was coming. And she goes, great, I'm trying out everything in my closet. How did that go, by the way? 
uh, not great. <laughs> Griff and I both cried. He did. You did. He didn't like what he saw. I didn't like what I was bringing to the table. <laughs> so, it's like six in the morning, and I was like, "What about this jumpsuit?" And he was like. And I was like, agreed. And then I'd start crying. It's like, really? Is it my... Oh, by the way, you're listening to Truly, Darkly, Creepily. I'm Quinlan Posner. And I'm Carrie Epperlove. And you are about to hear something that doesn't have to do with my body. Thanks for sharing, by the way. Because I think when you share stuff like that, it makes it easier for someone to feel less alone. That's funny. I always want to apologize for sharing because apparently the Dear Readers are also going to take up the slack. Uh, They're going to take on the role. Guys, I'll get a therapist eventually and you'll you'll, you'll be able to stop hearing about this stuff. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Okay, here we go. I got my information from, I don't know if you listened to last week, but I'm an acupuncture fan and there was a People article magazine, so I got my story from there. People, Oxygen, Daily Mail, Pleasanton Weekly, San Francisco CBS Local, Press Democrat, USA Today, Danville San Ramon, Little Things. That's where I got all this information. It's July 4th, 2020. <gasps> recent. Real, 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 real recent. recent. It's July 4th weekend. We've been pent up as a group at this point for four months, maybe, right? Around four months. It's They're in California. It's the Gershman family. So it's Dr. Ari Gershman, who is a physician. He's a doctor. He's a pharmaceutical executive. He has a beautiful family. He has a wife, three kids, Evan, Jack, and Macy. Dr. Ari, call him Ari. Ari decides, you know what? Like, I want to get out. I want to go off-roading. I have this Jeep. Like, he's an outdoors guy. He loves biking. And usually he brings his oldest son. But for some reason, he was like, I want to go out. Who wants to go with me? The middle son, Jack, shoots his hand up in the air and is like, me, me, me. I want to go. 
And Jack, I guess, isn't much of an outdoorsy kid, you know, compared to his older brother. So Ari's like, great, Jack, come here. Jack is 15 years old. They live in California. They drive over to the Tahoe National Forest to off-road. Have you been there? No. I think it's around four hours away from where they live. So it's July 3rd, 9 in the morning. They're driving in their Jeep. And they were in this area called the Poker Flat region of the um, Tahoe Poker? National I barely know her. <laughs> Sorry. Oh. Had to. My grandma would say, pinch me and inch me went to the river. Inch me fell in. Who was left? I'm not doing it. And then she would pinch and she made a little girl cry recently. <laughs> <laughs> and then grandma would do ick me and kick me, unch me and punch me, and she would do it. Whoa. Grandma, Whoa. Was, grandma was rough. Yeah. Grandma's loved it. saucy. Love a great depression, Betty. You know what I mean? Like, you want to have a grandma. I don't know what we're going to. I think kids like Koa right now, being born in a pandemic or like in Griffin, are going to be great. I don't think we're going to have the same level of like fear. No. We have, like, existential dread, but they had, like, real fear um, <laughs> that I think made them really cool. I'm trying to be like that. Anyway, that's why I do this podcast. So they're driving along in their Jeep, and they're a little bit lost at the Poker Flat region, daughter. And Ari sees this, like, blue ATV pull up, and he's like, oh, I'm going to go ask him for directions. Jack's in the passenger side. So he turns around to go ask for directions at this blue ATV, which stands for All-Terrain Vehicle. And before they could even ask, Ari sees the guy in the blue fucking ATV pull out a gun. (gasps) Ari slams on the gas to go to try to escape. Jack, his son, hears two or three shots. He sees his father grab his chest, stops the car, puts it in park, has the foresight to put it in park, falls out of the Jeep. Dr. Ari is dead. They just shot him? They just fucking shot him. At this national park? Yes. What the f***? Jack immediately goes, oh my God. Grabs his phone, runs into the woods. Just out of the car, get the f*** out of there. Just out of the car, f***ing run. His dad gets shot and he runs. He falls out of the car, he dies on the scene. Oh, Jack, I'm so sorry. So Jack is like, oh my God, this guy's chasing me. What am I going to do? Jack runs. The guy's chasing him? Well, he thinks so. He doesn't know. I think he just books it. He just just books it. Okay, okay. Gets out of there. He has his phone. His phone has no service. They're in the middle of a forest. So he's like, he sees two mountain peaks. He's like, I got to go to the top of the mountain to get some cell reception. And he's like, maybe this guy saw him. So he's going up. His phone is at 1% battery. (gasps) He's running up the mountain. He gets to the top of the mountain. He has one bar of service. Oh my God. Oh my God. And 1%? It's not going to send. It's going to kill the phone. He calls 911. He says, I'm lost. It's a huge forest. I don't know where I am. Blah, blah, blah. He gives all the information. My dad's dead. Blah, blah, blah. They say, stay where you are. Just stay where you are. Well, I don't know if that's the right direction. So what they're doing is they're trying to ping. They're like contacting AT&T to ping the signal like where they are. He has some time left, so he calls his mom. Oh, God, this is breaking my heart. He tells her she's expecting pictures of them on a hike. hike. He says, Dad's dead. Oh, my God. And she's like. Oh, my God, to be this mother. I cannot fathom and she's totally helpless 
She has no idea. And her baby's out there. Mm -hmm. So she gets in the car and drives with her oldest son and her dad's cousin, and they drive four hours towards the mountain. He texts them because it's still on. While he's up there, he says he's sorry. He says to tell his brother and sister that he loves them. He's sorry. And he loves his mom. Well, because he's like a 15-year-old kid. He puts so his sorry for. I think you just, probably everything at that time, if you're scared, you're just like, I'm sorry. Oh my God, I hate this. This is at 5.30 p.m. 6.30, his phone dies. No, 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 no. He's without a phone. He's up in the mountain by himself. He starts to pray. That's all he can do is pray. He sees the helicopters. They're flying over his head, but there's so much green coverage, they can't find him. He's waving, he's jumping, he can't be seen through the trees. As it gets dark, the helicopters leave. They can't find him. He's only in a t-shirt and shorts. They didn't stick around? It's dark, like what can they do? Land. They can't land, I mean, there's trees. Here's the thing, I'm furious. I'm the mother and I'm furious. Right. I would have said, we need a bunch of people to land on this mountain. We need a bunch of people with guns protecting the top of these mountains. Why isn't SWAT team there? That's my question. In the meantime, the police had found Dr. Ari's body, and they found the truck. So they knew... So they know exactly it's got to be one of these mountains. Yes, but it's a huge... They know where it is. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Oh, I should have been in charge of this. He is in a t-shirt and shorts. It gets 50 degrees. He's covered in bug bites. He puts his knees in his shirt and he curls into a ball under the tree. He falls asleep. He manages to sleep through the night. He wakes up to cracks. He gets terrified. He's scared that there's bears there. He's scared that the guy who killed his dad is going to follow him. He wakes up to sunrise, and at night he had noticed that there's a dam nearby with a bunch of lights. So what he does is he sees a nearby stream, so he starts following the stream. He moves. He's like, they didn't find me. I'm not going to stay here. I got to go find, I got to get closer to where they are. So he finds a stream and he walks along stream, which I think is a really smart idea. He starts walking. Meanwhile, the California Department of Fish and Wildlife, they start ramping up their efforts to search for him, right? So they needed to like get everything situated. So they get their canine unit to locate him. So we get these two dogs who are trained to smell illegal marijuana plants. Okay. That's their training. Their dog, their names Seems are- Seems like the wrong training for this job. Certainly. Their names are Beto and Champ. Great. <laughs> We love to see it. They're really cute dogs, for the record. I bet. So the teams are set out. He's walking down the stream. At about 4 p.m. on July 4th, Beto hears a sound. Champ gets a whiff of smell. Okay. They notify the rescuers. They start calling out his name. He hears them. Oh, thank God. He hears them, and he's found. He's found. Oh, thank God. With bug bites over him, but for the most part, he's okay. He's okay. They bring him out. He was gone in that horse for 30 hours. Oh, Jack. He's dirty. He's in shock. His mom talks about how he's not a hugger, but she saw him, and she said his eyes were like saucers, that he was just in shock, and he was dirty, and she just gave him the biggest hug, and she wouldn't let go, and he hugged her back, and she was like, and he's not a hugger. (laughs) Poor little guy. So he's home safe, and then it's the reality that... That these f***ing wild animals killed their dad? One guy on an ATV. 
by the way, just as a sidebar, his mother credits her husband for helping save him with that one bar of cell service on the top of the mountain. She's like, that was Ari. That was him helping oh, protect her son. That's beautiful. I really liked that because there's no reason why you should have any cell service in that forest. Mm-hmm. So then they're having to confront the idea of what happened with Ari. There were also two other people that day who were shot. They were not killed. They were. It wasn't fatal, but they were shot. So this person on a blue ATV was going around the park shooting, shooting people. people. Random acts of evil. So wildlife officers, while they're also looking for Jack, they're trying to locate this guy. So they start putting up all these roadblocks all around the mountain. And so they keep trying to just, like, stop, like, see where he could be. And they notice this, like, blue ATV off-roading, like, speeding away from them. So they find out where he's going, and they put a roadblock. There's two police officers. He comes, this guy comes full speed, and he tries to run over They jump out of the way. Another wildlife officer is farther back, so he starts to put his car in the way as a roadblock, so it's not people. This causes a collision. The guy just runs into him. This causes the officers to open fire on him. They finally manage to get this guy. He is taken to the hospital, but he's the guy who had shot three people, killed one person. His name is John Thomas Conway. He was 40 years old. He had been arrested and imprisoned before. In 2000, March 2019, he had a conviction for battering a family member and also a felony vandalism charge when he drove his truck through his family gate. Okay. So he had gone to jail and then was out and was on parole and he had already broken parole violations. So he had stolen another ATV that was similar to the one he was riding back in January. He had also broken his parole again when... He didn't check in with his parole officer, and then when his parole officer came to check on him, he noticed that there was a bunch of ammo in his house, which is obviously a violation of the parole. So there was a warrant out for his arrest. No one could find him. He was known to have mental health issues, which it seems like the obvious thing, but I just think it's worth saying he had mental health issues, which is why else would you even go around shooting people? You don't. But which is not to say that he is, he should not not be punished. He should be punished the greatest extent of the law. Um, he's also struggling with addiction to alcohol and methamphetamines. I still wonder about the randomness. I think, I don't know, I, they didn't say if any money or anything was stolen. You know, I mean, no. he's on an ATV, which is not like a vehicle to carry shit. Like, it was like if they had a bike, yeah. you know, because Ari like was a big biker. To assault like... someone in your family and stuff like that, it's, that's personal. There's personal. To go into this park and decide to shoot. A bunch of strangers. Yeah. I just wonder what bridged that in his mind, even if it was a sick mind. I'm just, I'm totally. I think I would love to know why. Like, I would love to know, but I don't think we'll ever know. Okay. Jack's mother, Ari's wife. What's crazy is, is a couple months before she was diagnosed with Hodgkin's lymphoma for the cancer, and she had texted him that day her husband, that she had gotten some good test results back. And he's a doctor, and she never heard back from him. So that was, like, the first. She was like, it's weird that I didn't hear from him or whatever. And so now this family is dealing with the loss of Ari. She's currently in chemotherapy. And Jack, I'm sure, has residual trauma that will live with him. They also have a GoFundMe if you're interested. 
Oh, um, totally. To look it up. The fact that Jack is back safe with his family is amazing. And I also, I do love that Jack's mom credits Ari for his, for her son's safe return home. And, and this happened July of 2020, less than a year ago. Wow. Oh, they must be struggling so much. I'm so, so glad that Jack made it home. Yeah. There's I just, nothing... like, I can't imagine him having to see it. I I was also struck by that, like, flight, fright, or fruit. Fl- fr- flight, fright, or freeze? No. Flight? Flight. Wait. It's fight. That's it. Fight, fight, flight, or freeze. And I was amazed that he just knew flight. to run. Flew out of there. Smart. Smart Jack. We're so I also that... didn't hear about what happened to the other two. I know that they did not die, but they were shot as well. God, they must be dealing with trauma as well. What totally. a crazy thing. I just can't imagine a stranger walking up to you and pulling the trigger on a gun. I mean, it happens, but it is like what a total, complete, and utter mind that we walk through life just betting that it won't happen is sort of the premise we all operate on. <sighs> wow. Terrifying, Carrie. Um, I'm glad that my story is a brighter tale. To tell. Oh, wait, I do want to say really fast that Ari was like a really nice guy and he loved to hike and he loved his kids and that, you know, he was a really good guy. Yeah. So I'm going to tell you the story of the guy's name is even great. The guy's name is going to make you smile. This is the story of Arno Funke. Funke? Yeah. Tobias Funke of um, Arrested Development is F-U-N. K-E. It's F-U-N-K-E. So it's Fuke? Um, well, in Arrested Development, played by um, David Cross. Yeah, no, I know. Fuke. Okay, maybe it's Arno Fuke then. All right, funky. Arno Fuke. But I like Funke. I like Funke. Because it's kind of like saying funky, but it's saying it Funke. Well, they also, I think, have an umlaut over the U for Tobias Fuke. So I think it's not a liquid U. I mean, he's German. Fuke. Okay. This is, I got all the information. I got very much article. From, yeah. I love when that happens. I mean, it's, it's a well-written article. Yeah, it was great. It was in the New Yorker. It was by <sighs> Jeff Mesh, and it was awesome. Jeff Mesh, the New Yorker, and a little bit from a dollop of Wikipedia. So we're going to talk about Arno Funke's life. He grew up in a working class family in Berlin in the 1950s. And he was kind of like a science kid. He liked cool stuff like chemistry kits. and But he's also not just like nerdy at home science kid. He's class clown as well. Oh, and, love that combo. Yeah. And his teacher called him Mickey Mouse. <laughs> M-A-U-S. You know? Mickey Mouse. So yeah, Mickey Mouse. <laughs> he uh, leaves school at 15 to become an apprentice sign maker. Sign maker? Yeah, like sketching. Like he's into sketching and cartoons and stuff, and he's going to make signs. Oh, I thought it was like science. Like so his it was like sign dream was like, okay. is to become a caricature like artist. Fun. He wants, well, he wants to be like a cartoonist. He spends all his time sort of sketching and stuff. And then, like many children, he grows up. <laughs> <laughs> so he's like, let's flash forward. He's nearing 40. His dreams have not been realized. He's poor. He's divorced. He's depressed. Great. 
Sounds like me, right? Sounds like I was me like, minus divorced. divorced. Check. I am divorced. <laughs> well, I'm not. I say I minus the divorce for me. I know you're divorced. Pushing 40. This is not you. This is me. <laughs> anyway, he's doing a gig. Um, like he's doing gig work to survive. Again, me. He's <laughs> painting billboards. He paints motorcycles. He paints cars at a local garage. He also feels like maybe all the fumes he's inhaling um, from the like solvents at the garage might be giving him a little bit of brain problems. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, he mm-hmm. actually, when he talks about it, he compared it to um, drinking a bottle of whiskey, but without all the positive feelings. <laughs> That's how it feels at his oh, work. Oh, right. That makes sense. Yeah. So he's getting frustrated. His life is not what he wanted it to be. And he's kind of like, you know, maybe I'll become a criminal. But his whole thing is like, maybe I'll become a criminal. I'm not trying to hurt anybody. Right. But like, where do you get money? And like, how do people do this? Yeah. So he's like, you know what? Maybe I'll become like an extortionist. That seems like doable. Right. Mm -hmm. So the first thing he does is he's like, I've got to teach myself how to make a pipe bomb. So he decides to learn how to build a pipe bomb. Remember, he was into, like, chemistry kits. Yeah, but I thought he didn't want violence. He doesn't. Okay. He still needs to build bombs. It's important. Okay. I'm missing the A to B. I'm missing the B part of his plan, but okay. Uh, Well, here it is. Part B is I'm going to put the bomb inside Cough House de Westens. Ooh, yeah. Definitely saying that one. Nice. It's called Kadewi. That's, like, how they... uh, Shorten it? Yeah. Couldn't find that word. That's how they shorten it. Like Soho, it's Kadawi. It's it's a department, like a fancy schmancy department store mm-hmm. in Berlin. But he's going to do it, obviously. He's going to set the bomb off when no one's there. Mm. So what he does is he hides the bomb in the store, and then he sends them a letter, and he's like, hey, you better give me half a million marks, because I've got a bomb in your store, and I'm going to explode it. I'm going to explode it regardless so that you believe me, but then I'm going to do it again. Like I'm going to put another bomb in if you don't give me this money. The plan doesn't actually work yeah, for him this, because the yeah. bomb doesn't explode when mm-hmm. he wants it to. And the police can't find his instructions for how to deliver the money. He's new at this. Basically, first time, <laughs> no go. <laughs> Nothing comes of it. But you got to do a dress rehearsal. Yes, that was his dress rehearsal wow. and practice makes wow. perfect. And part duh, he puts the bomb in a briefcase that has a false bottom. And he's like, I'm a fancy shopper man. And like walks into the store and leaves the bomb in the sports department. He does successfully explode this bomb at night. No one's there. No one's hurt. But it causes a ton of damage. So now he has their attention. He writes them again and is like, that was me. Bring the money. That was me. Yeah. I'm paraphrasing. Um, it was I. It was I. Um, okay. So he's like, bring my money onto the 8.43 p.m. train to Fraunhau. And then when I tell you, throw the money out the window of the train. Because he's like, they can't line the whole, even if I tell them that ahead of time, they're not going to be able to line the whole train uh, route with cops, right? So he hides in his car repair shop, which is close to the train, and he gets hammered on vodka and waits for the train. 
And then he's got like this walkie talkie thing with them. And as he hears the train coming, he on the walkie talkie's like, throw that shit out the window. <laughs> a package flies out the window. He runs for it. Obviously, they've put helicopters in the air, but he gets away. <gasps> and now he has all this money. And he uses it to, like, go traveling and have, like, just a great time. Rollicking good time. Yes. Oh, good he, for like, him. He, goes all over the place. He meets <laughs> this woman in Manila who he ends up marrying. And they move to Germany. And they have a baby together. But about three years after the original crime goes down, he's out of the money again. He spent it all. Not and he has this baby. And wow. he's like, you're going to want to go to college. I got to get some more money. He's got a family now. So he's like, um, you know, here's Does his thing. wife know that he. Nope, 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 not at all. And he's like, I can't, I don't know, have the changing table double as my pipe bomb making desk. So I've yeah. got to have a place that's just my own to do this. So he gets a secret cabin and he tricks it out with cool weird spy sh- and he creates like kind of like a workshop for this double life he has that's a total secret. Okay? Whoa. So now it's a year later and it's 1992. He's ready for his next mission. This time the target is a fancy store called Karstadt that he does his usual. He plants a bomb, he sets it off at night, because that worked for him before. He set up the bomb in a section of the store where there's a bunch of porcelain stuff. So I picture it being very cartoon, where when the bomb went off, all this por- like porcelain vases are yes. just like exploding everywhere. This time he asked for a million marks in his ransom letter. Well, he knew before he's got three people. He's got three mouths as opposed to just one. Right. So he says, this is cool. He's like, you guys... Just reply to me via a coded message in the newspaper that you're going to that you copy what I'm asking and that you're going to do it. What I want you to write in the newspaper is Uncle Dagobert greets his nephews. Do you know who Uncle Dagobert is? No. Dagobert Duck is the German name for Scrooge McDuck from DuckTales. (laughs) Not only that, but he has started signing his letters to the authorities and to the, or not to the authorities, to the uh, shops as Dagobert. So Scrooge McDuck, you know, you know Scrooge McDuck. He's like a greedy industrialist. He's Scrooge. He has a mansion that has a room. Of just coins, Just filled with his money. He's Dagbert. He's Duckbert. Yes. So... (laughs) They put, they agree and they put this message in the paper. He sees their DuckTales message. He sends them back directions. They follow the directions to a forest. In the forest, they find a box attached to a telephone pole. Inside that box, you're going to die, is a little sack. And do you know what's on the damn sack? An image of Scrooge McDuck with the DuckTales logo. It's an empty cartoon money bag. The balls on Arno. Like, it's just so delightful he does this. So he includes for them a little doohickey he made that they can use to attach his money sack to the back of a train. 
It's not like a rope or something. It's like a suction cup or something. It's an electromagnetic like Mission Impossible doohickey. And he's like, fill the bag with money and then attach it to the back of this train going to Berlin. So remember the last time what he did was he said, chuck it and they threw it out. This time it's a little getting a little more elegant. And his plan is that he has a remote that will disable the magnets when he wants and the sack will fall off the back of the train. So he's in charge. So the day in question, he goes to the train tracks where he's going to deactivate it. He wears like a weird costume. Like Gilly a wig. suit. <laughs> oh my God. A ghillie suit. But this time he's not so lucky. It does not go according to plan. And when he deactivates the magnets and the package falls off the back, they just stop the train and the authorities jump off it and they point a gun at him. But he's like, and grabs the bag, the cartoon money sack, and runs against all odds. He gets out? He gets out of there. No And he's like, holy, that was scary. That was close. That was insane. God love these detectives who are hunting him, who have started referring to him as Dagobert. Arno opens the sack that they have left and he counts out 4,000 marks and the rest of it is Mickey Mouse money. <gasps> Can you believe they did that? Love. It's, they got his so number. That's nuts. so good. Uh, oh so my God. Germany knows uh, about Scrooge and DuckTales. So when the press starts leaking this stuff, everyone's going insane the way we're loving it you know and he gets super famous people are singing about him and right they're writing songs about him they're writing stories about him uh oh wow his wife has no idea (gasps) one newspaper says that dagobert has raised the cops and robber game to an intellectual level never before seen in german police history might solve a mystery (laughs) or rewrite history you're so loud. <laughs> <laughs> the danger looks behind you. There's a stranger out to find you. I love it so much. Did have you showed Koa? DuckTales? Yeah. No. It's too dark. Michael Delecki, the chief investigator of Germany's state criminal police in Hamburg. Hamburg. He assembles a team to catch Dagobert. They offer everybody like a hundred thousand mark reward for any information. Uh, one of the officers on the team is a psychologist and former hostage negotiator, Claudia Brockman. She starts to make a psychological profile of who she thinks Dagobert is. And she's sort of like, if we can figure out what's making this guy do stuff who he is, that's going to help us catch him. But psychological profiling is pretty totally new at that time. She's like, listen, you guys, this guy Dagobert is going to get really mad, I think, about this fake money, and he's going to set off another bomb. You should know, like, it kind of had the vibe of, like, it's a boys club, and everybody's also like, I don't know about applying psychology to catching bad guys. So they're not really listening to her. But of course, everything <laughs> she says right. is going to happen will happen. Also, I just like love, why is this not a movie? This is incredible. It's nuts. This is an incredible story. So, like a young, a new woman cop who's like at a man's job who's going to, ca- I mean, incredible. So 
Arno is reading about himself in the paper, Dagobert. And he's reading that they're kind of like, oh, this guy's not going to do anything during the day. That's not his style. So he's not that dangerous. He feels now like he has to in order for them to take him seriously. So he builds a really small bomb. And some people do end up getting minorly injured when it goes off. And it pisses him off so much that that this happens. He doesn't see it as his fault. He sees it as the police's fault. For And he writes them and says, you're gambling with people's lives. And he's he feels like they made him do this and he had no choice in the matter, basically. Arno, I think what you're doing is You're projecting. You're putting it on crazy. somebody else. It's not. Uh... Like, what you're doing, I'll admit, it's darkly entertaining to some degree. But, but don't... you definitely have a choice. You have a choice. And, like, maybe don't do it in where people, I mean, you could. Like, this isn't taken. Do you know what you I know, mean? You know, it's like, like someone has his daughter. It's, it's for you, money. Yeah. So, all right. Let's just do a quick reality check. Also, while we're doing a reality check, Arno, you're not, in fact, a duck either okay let's just keep it real (laughs) um but despite him not being a duck things like things are about to go full cartoon so you should picture the next story with sound effects if you can um zoinks yes during one of the money handoffs in berlin arno gets ambushed and a cop grabs him but he wiggles out of the cop's grasp and the cop slips and falls down (gasps) And Arno jumps on a bike and speeds off. So this happens, and the police are super embarrassed. So I feel bad for that police officer who falls. That's oh, like so embarrassing. Poor guy. He's gonna get made fun of so much. Well, so now they like tell they start telling the press when they're gonna be doing money handoffs because for them they're like we need to make sure the press is there when we catch him mm. because we need that to be covered because now we look so dopey. <gasps> But this totally obviously backfires and he keeps getting away and they keep looking like dodos. And the whole thing has just gotten ridiculous. At one point to disguise his identity on one of the calls, he stops using one of the voice changers because he gets a little cocky and he starts just doing a high pitched voice like Huey, Dewey and Louie. (laughs) It's pretty ridiculous. So new plan. The police throw a package from the train for him that has a device in it called a thunderclap. It's a motion-activated explosive. They're not trying to kill him. But it makes or it sound even, like... even, like, hurt him that bad, but they are trying to, like, surprise him and use that as an advantage. I don't know what happens when this goes down, but Arno smells a rat and does not pick up the package this time. So... But he's starting to feel like they are getting an advantage just by him having the same setup. So he's like, you guys, enough with the trains. The next time you drop my money off, go to this railway station. Go to a locker. They go to the locker. In there is a note that says, leave my money in these bags that I've provided and put them in a grit box. A grit box is like a big tub. Mm -hmm. That would be like publicly on the streets of Berlin that would have sand in it. It's for de-icing roads. Okay. So he's like, put the bags in, in this one. So the cops fill it. They just put paper in 
they don't put money in. They also put a tracking device in it and they put it in the grit box he asked and then they hide and wait and watch the grit box. They wait and they wait and they wait and no Dagobert. But then the tracker starts beeping like it's on the move. So they open the grit box to look in because they're like, what? It's like reminded me of the movie Speed a little. There's nothing inside the grit box. He had asked them to put it in this box and it was above a manhole. Yeah. So he had removed it from below, looked in the bags, saw that it was just paper and he escaped in the sewer below. So. Whoa. There's a group of grown-ups that are totally obsessed with the Dagobert cartoons. Obviously. Literally, you're calling them grown-ups. <laughs> you have to specify. I think it's you. <laughs> There's a lot of kids that are obsessed. There's also a group of grown-ups. <laughs> they, they're called Donaldists. Oh, okay? It's okay. serious. It's business. You can imagine when this starts happening, this mystery becomes their obsession. They know all the comics real well, and they're like, we think maybe sometimes he's, like, copying the comics. And if we can figure out what Scrooge does, maybe we can figure out what he'll do next. And it seems crazy, but legit. Just crazy enough that it might work. Exactly. The the cops are like, we're going to start reading the comics. We're going to start studying the intro (laughs) to the television show DuckTales. (laughs) And they're like, oh, McDuck is in a submarine. Maybe he's going to try to use a submarine. The really crazy thing is that Arno does build a remote control submarine. No. And he's thinking about using it to whisk these, like, money packages underwater and then, like, scramble signals with tracking device. Anyway, he doesn't end up doing that. But maybe because he has, like, this bad experience where... Um, he tries to do a handover in the water. Like, basically, he hides in a rainwater canal during a handover. But then it rains really bad that day, and he almost gets carried away. And it, he's like, this is... Like, he's soaking wet. He almost dies. It feels it's, like he's having fun doing it. Well, this article talked about how he got home the night that that happened, and his wife was like, we should rent a thriller. And he was like, she has no idea that my life... <laughs> Is a thriller. <laughs> but, like, they're not doing well. They're on welfare. You picture him really rich, but, like, it's... They're not. They're, like, just... You just try to get by. Getting Truth. by. She definitely does not think he's Dagobert. The police start to disassemble some of the weird gadgets that he's making. Mm-hmm. And they're like, oh, a lot of these parts were purchased from the same place, this electronic store in Berlin. So let's stake it out. And one morning, Arno goes in to buy, like, a timer, and he sees this guy, registers that he's a plainclothes cop, and barely makes it, like, runs, like they give chase. <gasps> mm-hmm. In 1994, Arno tells the police, go to this abandoned railway track. They go there, and there's a miniature train that he's built. It's so crazy. This and guy. he's like, put the money in it. He's just paying for his own. He's just paying. All the money he's making is but just you feel going like he's... towards like this model train and these bonds. Like, this is joyful stuff, really, It does though. feel like him being like, ha And it's yes. a fucking car. Which is what I'm going to do next. So they put the money in the train. And do you think hits... the police officer are like, let's go. I want to go. I want to go. Do you think they fight over who can go to Dagobert? I mean, all hands are pretty much on deck. They really want to catch him. Yeah. 
They're not sending like a guy to drop the money. They're like trying to catch him every time. So they go and they drop this money in this mini train and Arno hits like a button and the little train like shoots off. But the helicopters are following it. And he had, this is so great. He strapped firecrackers to the train. So when they, and then he sets them off. And when they start going off, the cops freak out. They think it's gunfire. And in the chaos of the firecrackers going off, they get confused. The mini train, though, ends up derailing. The bags of money go everywhere. It doesn't work. But what a cartoon, right? Firecrackers. And the Donaldists go nuts because they're like, hey, in the episode of Christmas for Shacktown, Scrooge McDuck's grandnephews used a miniature train to get money. Just saying. The cops do not have much of a sense of humor about all this. It's cost them like millions of dollars <laughs> to try to catch him. They haven't caught him. Claudia Brockman, meanwhile, is like building out this psychological profile on him. And she's like, I think maybe he feels excluded, unfairly marginalized. Her main thing is she's like, you guys, he needs to feel respected. We can't try to trick him. Our best shot is we have to find somebody that can communicate with him and communicates well with him, that he ends up liking, that he ends up trusting because he's constantly calling them from these phone booths, right? Mm -hmm. And if they can get a cop, if they can position the cops all over the city correctly, they basically mathematically can have it where they can be at any phone booth in under three minutes. So the key is to get him talking. For at least three minutes. Totally. So they picked this guy, Klaus Springborn, who was experienced in hostage negotiation, and he makes people feel heard. Right. And that's your job, right? And he ends up connecting with Arno really, really well. And they develop talking points for him and strategies for him based on Claudia Brockman's psychological profiling. And they do start to get close. They start to tell each other jokes. And he can keep him on the phone longer, longer, longer. And one call goes on long enough that the police get to the hood fast after the hang-up. They see a dude that looks suspicious in a rental car. They call the car rental company and are like, who's it rented to? They're like, this guy, Arno Fuque. (gasps) They start spying on Arno. And they find him in a phone booth a few days later doing one of the calls to cops about a money drop and they nab him. When they get him, his first words to them are, now you finally caught me. Today you'll definitely pop the corks. Unfortunately, I won't be able to celebrate with you, but you can at least toast to me. (laughs) (laughs) So the police go to his, they find his spy cabin And they get there and they're like, holy, because they see that summary that he had been working on. They're like, oh, my God, this guy was going to use a submarine. Claudia Brockman gets promoted. She's a total badass. She reminds me of the woman on Mindhunter. Anyway, that's who I keep picturing. And she keeps using psychological profiling to solve cases. She has a crazy career. Michael Delecki, the chief uh, investigator, says it was almost a shame that everything was over. As strange as it sounds, it was also fun. We're like, we, we know. We know. We've been following and we know. Wow. Arno pleads guilty. He gets nine years. The public loves him. 
the prisoners love, love him. him. He shows up in jail and gets a standing ovation. No yes. way. To this day, he does not show remorse for what he did. He says, I feel sorry that I chose department stores. Banks would have been more deserving. But the thing is, with a store, it is easier. The happy ending is that he actually ends up participating in a work release program. And in 1998, he finally gets to do his dream job (gasps) and draw cartoons for a German magazine. And after being released, he continues to draw. No way. It's the best. And he had this kind of crazy life afterwards because he was such a celebrity. He ended up doing a reality TV show and winning a bunch of money on it. And he shared his winnings with the department stores he bombed. That's really lovely. I mean, yeah, I'm so glad no one was hurt. Wow. What happened to his wife and kid? Is he still with his wife? Uh, she left him. It's fair. Yeah. That seems like it. That feels like the right choice. Someone keeping that many secrets is something you're like, ooh, you had a double life. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Isn't that a great story? That's an incredible story, Quinn. Wow. Thank you. Thank the you. The danger lurks behind <laughs> you. Do you want to see something crazy? Hmm. Okay, ready? Oh, beautiful. Your hair just came down in like gorgeous model tendrils, I want to say. I that just did like heatless curls. Oh, can you do that on me? Yeah, I'll do it after this. Do you want to do it at lunch? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Oh, I love some tendrils. Are they tendrils? They're beautiful. Does the back look okay? Yes. It's like your hair already looked really pretty in that twisty thing, and then you took it down, and now you're like full I have, model. like, hair. I have, like, hair. Yeah. <laughs> oh, do you want um, another stat like we did last week? Yeah. Um, there are more varieties of apples than there are listeners of this podcast. <laughs> How many varieties of apples are there? Not that many. And we're done. (laughs) Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.